Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, hi there. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Happy May. What a day. Happy end of May. Bless. Everybody, it's really June right just, now. Oh yeah, by the time you watch this, it'll be, it's May right <laughs> like it's, now. It's way into June right now. Happy <laughs> June, end of June, everyone. We're recording this in the thick of May and we need a blessing <laughs> to make it to the end of May, um, which it's fitting for this section right here because it sort of is a spot that in scripture where people might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed, like with what they are being tasked with, with what they have marched themselves into. You know, it was so easy to read the book of Mormon and be like, oh my gosh, that's true. I love it. And then jump in. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this, is, this is big. God had a much bigger plan in mind than just discovering that something is true right it was like that was step one yes discovering that something was for you and intriguing and true and 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 he's like oh i actually have a destiny for all of you for the whole world right i remember when the church was just in the little whitmer home and they had the first meeting and it was that little group and they just had been remembered by god and then now, all of a sudden, they've gotten themselves to Ohio and Missouri. They've been down. They've seen that land where all of a sudden is going to be this new Jerusalem. Everything that probably felt so small and intimate in the Whitmer yard on that day when they were talking about this church probably feels a little bit overwhelming yeah. for everybody now. Yeah. Particularly considering, I mean, it really must have been so cute. And there's people like crowded in there and they're like, wow, this is big. This is great. And Joseph <laughs> and Lucy, mom and dad are so proud. <laughs> so like, it's just like, and now it's like, okay, let me tell you what I have in mind for you. And they learned that when they went out to Zion. So Joseph, remember, goes out to Zion and it's just like, this is what it's supposed to be. A place of one heart, one mind, dwelling in righteousness, no poor among us. We are readying the world like a bride for her groom. We are ready in the world for Jesus to return again. And it's just like, whew, that is big. And they were in the ruffian section of Missouri. And, and remember their trip home, everybody fought the whole time on the trip home. They keep fighting when they get home later. Um, Edward Partridge, who's the bishop out there in Missouri, just said, I don't think this is going to work, remember? Like, I don't see how this is going to blossom like a rose. And Sidney Raven got really mad at him and like, You're, you got to believe this. And, and then when they get back, they find out that the Lord has given a commandment to sell the Isaac Morley farm. And that's where Joseph and Sidney were living. So that was a really inconvenient revelation for Joseph to receive. It made him homeless, you know? And so it's like, wow, this is what the Lord said to sell this farm. And it's, so now they don't know where to go, what to do. So they are going to move. You might see on the top of this thing, this arrow here, they're going to move to this place called Hiram, Ohio. How long does it take to drive there? How long was that drive? Like 30 minute drive? No, I thought it was an hour. Okay. But Greg did it in 30. Um, because he <laughs> to just the drive. John Johnson home? <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah. It was like 45 minutes. Okay. Maybe just a little bit more. So that's by car. 
So it's, you can just kind of imagine, it's this city that's 45 minutes away by car, so quadruple that by horse or whatever to get out to or it. Or walking. Yeah. Which is probably what most people did. So it is this house that a lot of really significant things are going to happen in. We do a field trip at the house, so you're going to get to see it in a couple of weeks or just look up a pic. Um, and John and Elsa Johnson, who are um, Emily and Greg's grandparents. Isn't that fun? Um, they open up their home. And I, when I was thinking about this yesterday, I was like, that's not just a minor thing to do. Like their houses aren't that big back then. I mean, like. And not only to open up a home to just like someone whose life is a traveler normal, for, yeah. you know, but to open up a home to someone who's going to get dragged off the front porch and tarred and feathered in your, in front, your yard. front yard, yeah. you know, and, and there's little babies coming in, you know, there it's, it just was probably a little bit inconvenient. Yeah. So I, they are un, um, unsung heroes to do something like that. This place is actually really nice for Joseph to go to because now he is actually away from kind of like the everyday, like, um, logistics of, of everything going on in, in Kirtland. Remember he was staying in the, um, right there in the heart of the city. And so it's just like, you can imagine he got nothing done. And the Lord had commanded him and Sydney to work on the Bible, right? Um, we've talked about this before, that one of the major reasons most people agree for that Bible project were just to get Joseph asking questions, to get his mind open. And we are going to start in section 65 um, because that is what jumps him into this. It's the very first revelation at the John Johnson home, and they are reading the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew. That and then is what we'll they're go working back on. to 64 because we love it, but it's, you kind of want to have 65 in your mind right. as we get going. So they are working on the Lord's Prayer and they're asking questions about that because it's so grand. It's such big, big language, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and you're kind of like, this is really big talk. And they're asking about it. And 65 is sort of this, like, it's almost like a destiny section. Mm. It's almost like uh, the Lord's like, oh, don't get caught up in the weeds. Yes. And let's zoom out for one second and talk about these really big, beautiful concepts about kingdom and the work and the, and the destiny of everything that you're involved in. And you love that he removes Joseph from that situation long enough to let him have a big perspective view that vision of like okay this is where we're going so that then he can come back and get into the day-to-day -day of that and don't you find that that happens in your life mm. that every so often when you get in the day-to-day -day and then you start having all of these questions and I don't know how this is going to work and you start nailing down everything that just isn't quite right and you get that feeling of just this isn't going to work. There, either something's wrong with the plan or something's wrong with me or something's wrong with the people or something doesn't feel quite right. I love that there is just this haven moment where the Lord is like, okay, Joseph, let me just expand your vision for a minute. Let me give you what the end is going to look like. And, and this is like, this is, this is what you're going for. Let me help you to recognize it. And then you can go back in and start trying to move things forward again. And I love those pauses. I love that there is going to be this little pause 
One thing we noticed that is super interesting about both section 65 and Matthew 11 is that this is a cause that requires prayer. Mm. And we're so fascinated by that, that this is not a cause Joseph is going to be able to accomplish on his own or the people in Ohio. It's a cause that even in Jesus's time, even in the New Testament, he said to the apostles, you will have to pray this here. It's, it will require both earth side and heaven side assistance for this to happen. And I love that he's going to say the same thing to Joseph. Listen, you will have to pray this here. And the prayer is so beautiful. As you look in 65 verse 4, he says, Pray unto the Lord, call upon his holy name, make known his wonderful works among the people. Which I love that, that it's like you're, you're going to call upon him. You are going to remember he is holy. But I love that part that he's like, you're going to you're going to remember his mighty works as they come, because that's what's going to keep you moving forward in faith. And then he says, call upon the Lord that his kingdom may go forth upon the earth, that the inhabitants thereof may actually receive it and be prepared for the days to come in which the Son of Man will come down clothed in brightness and glory to meet the kingdom of God, which has been set up upon the earth. Wherefore, may the kingdom of God go forth, that the kingdom of heaven may come. And we love the thought of that. Those two things together, may the kingdom of God go forth here, earth side, so that the kingdom of heaven, heaven side, might be able to come. And, and that's going to be this community that is going to be so beautiful. It's going to be everything all of us have ever hoped for. But I'm fascinated that he says to Joseph, call upon the Lord. This is going to require yeah, the calling yeah. Yeah. upon the Lord, um, that it will go forth. And, and this one line, that the inhabitants thereof may receive it. And that becomes one of the most important parts of this lesson. The kingdom is going to come no matter what. Daniel tells us the stone is going to roll forth. It just is. And the Lord himself will tell us uh, nothing can stop it from coming, right? The kingdom of God, you, you, we can't prevent that from happening. But whether we will be a part of it seems to become the, the crux of this lesson. Whether we will receive it, whether we want to be like part of that kingdom and what does that actually look like and what does it require from us? For that to happen. Yeah, and that's why we put these sections a little bit out of order because you almost find some great principles in 64 that are, as we were talking about the Lord's Prayer, I was like, as I was thinking through the Lord's Prayer, the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then some of the other things that are in there, like give us this day our daily bread, like there seems to be instruction in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, you know, mm -hmm. that are almost instructions that say, this is how that kingdom rolls forth on, on the earth. We, we have this idea sometimes that um, we are, our end hope and goal is to leave this earth and go to heaven. And the reality is, is that heaven is coming here. We are not ever leaving. And so we are readying ourselves and, and helping in any way we can for the kingdom to grow, for heaven to grow. He, like all the Jesus's mm -hmm. parables are ones of, 
something grows up from the from the ground, you know? Yeah, you have that and, seed um, that he talks about. The kingdom of heaven is like unto, remember that in the New Testament, all those, and it's the seed that's going to grow. From here, right, yep. yeah. And all the branches will be filled with everything or the net that is going to um, gather. That's the kingdom of heaven and all types of fish will be in there. And as we were talking about this, we were like, we should probably start right at the very beginning with what even is the kingdom and what is the work and how does it roll forth? What What is this kingdom that he's talking about? So there's a couple ways that people use that phrase that, that we could talk about. When it talks about um, the kingdom of heaven, it means that heavenly throng of Jesus and all of those that will come with him when they come again. Kingdom of God. Today we talk about that as the as where the keys are, right? Um, here on, mm -hmm. on the earth. But we love to talk about that word kingdom um, to mean, sometimes it can mean, it sounds organizational. And that word kingdom is just synonym for people. We talk about the kingdom of God. He is the king and she is the queen and they rule and reign over their kingdom. Well, what do our heavenly parents rule and reign over but the family, right? All of us, mm -hmm. the whole human family, right? And we love to talk about that principle of kingdom community, right? That when we build the kingdom, we're talking about building a community of faith. We're talking about building people and gathering people and growing people. That's what kingdom work looks like. And we love the thought of being involved and invested in that. And that as you think about kingdom work, it requires all of us. It's going to require every yeah. one of us to build the kingdom. And it's not like there's not enough jobs. Like every person is needed. Every person, wherever you are. And I just love the thought of that's what we belong to. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a gentleman that comes up um, in this area of like these sections that we've been in. We met him out in Missouri. He actually um, joins the church. His name is Ezra Booth. And he joins the church because he witnesses a miracle. Elsa Johnson, the home that Joseph and Emma are now in Sydney, are all now working and staying in. Um, she'd had a withered arm um, her whole life. And it just prohibited her from doing anything and everything that she wanted to do, that she needed to do. And it was a, a, a excruciating burden, particularly in a time when everything is so hands-on you know yeah and you love how this miracle takes place i love watching when people in the kingdom community um portray the savior when they act as if the savior would if he were here and you love that joseph notices the problem because he's living there and he's watching her go about the work of her life like he enters her story he sees her not being able to hang up the laundry. He sees her struggling through now, trying to take care of more than even just her own family. And you love the night of the miracle. And there, there's almost a call for a miracle to talk about. Shouldn't, shouldn't uh, if this is the kingdom of God, shouldn't miracles follow? That is what Jesus says. The signs will follow. That you should, you'll see healing. You'll see devils cast out. You'll see the dead raised. Like that, those signs will follow the the kingdom and. So someone almost like calls for it in the meeting. Like, where, where are they? And, and Joseph kind of deflects it a little bit until the conversation moves on. 
And then he takes Elsa aside, just one-on-one, -on -one, and without fanfare, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, um, I command you to be whole, and heals her withered arm. And Ezra watches as like a wallflower. It was not at center stage. And he saw that, and it's kind of what was like, I want to be a part of this. Now, we discover a little bit more about um, Ezra when they go on their, their mission. He gets called on this mission, and he goes, and he has no patience with people who don't want anything to do with the kingdom. <laughs> um, and he actually tries to call down fire from heaven <laughs> upon some of these cities that are like not listening to him and burn them up. And, and he's just like, this is, this is how we do it. And he becomes really, really disenchanted because um, he's like, this is not how I thought mm -hmm. it was going to be. Like, I thought it was going to be this. I saw a miracle and I thought like we had miracles in our pockets ready to call down heaven and, and get rid of all the bad people and, and everybody who's wrong. And, and that is sort of his intention. It actually like that, um, false assumption that he has and uh, probably kind of the heart that's associated with that leads him to become a really really bitter enemy toward Joseph and toward the kingdom as a whole yep he will end up being part of that group that tars and feathers Joseph and then we really don't ever hear much of Ezra Booth again after that happens and one of the reasons why we love his story and that all of that is happening within these chapters is because for all of us back then but even now we get to choose whether we want to be part of the kingdom community or not and we get to choose whether to become disenfranchised or to embrace what is the hard and messy work of god and that's a choice right this is not easy when when the lord says in the lord prayer please bring down this from heaven but in the meantime um, I love in Luke, when we read the Lord's Prayer there, it says, day to day, give us our bread, right? This is going to be a day by day work that we're going to be in the details of it and in the thick of it. And that's not necessarily going to be easy. Um, and we watched and we will watch what is happening with this move to Ohio. And as we watch Zion's camp and as we do all of those things, you're going to see how messy it is. It's easy to become disenfranchised when you are in the details of that because God's working with imperfect people and he will tell us over and over again that he is. And, and part of it is realizing, yeah, I am too. So I'm trying to do my best with my errand, but I'm not always going to do it exactly right. And is that okay? Is that okay in the kingdom? And for some people, it it's not. They would rather go and try and find something else than allow God to work with imperfect people. And that's hard, but true. Yeah, I, I was talking to my sister-in-law yesterday. They are building a house. My brother and sister-in-law are right mm -hmm. now. And on Instagram, it's so fun, right? Because they're picking <laughs> the floor colors and their countertops and why does building All the a house fixtures, look so good? It on really Instagram? does. It looks really good. Everyone really... wants to build an Instagram <laughs> yeah. house. And she said they're moving soon. And she just said, I um and her son said, we was in the car with her, like, it'll be mama, this will all be worth it in a week when they move in. And then I said back, I was like, uh, probably Christmas is when it'll 
be worth, be it. worth it. And she says, I'm planning 10 years because I'm so mad at this project <laughs> and I think it's the stupidest thing we've ever done. <laughs> and I'm so frustrated and I'm so, and it really is beautiful. Like what's happening is they're building this beautiful house, but you have these Instagram expectations of what building that beautiful house looks like. And sometimes we have these Instagram expectations of what the building of the kingdom is. And mm -hmm. it, it really is beautiful. It's a beautiful work, but it is, it is so messy. messy and hard and like, and requires a lot. And one thing that I love, and I think we talked about this last time, but I, it will not leave my brain. I just, I keep thinking about it and we're going to see it so clearly here is the Doctrine and Covenants is not Instagram, everybody. It's so interesting, but if you want to find the opposite of Instagram, you just want to open the pages of the Doctrine and Covenants because for some reason, the Lord was not shy about letting us see how messy building the kingdom was. Like he, he was totally fine to point out the flaws of everyone in these pages of, you know, he, he goes through like, there's no doubt Joseph is not necessarily equipped for the task at hand. There's no doubt. We're going to find that right here. And you also, it's, I, I think it's interesting that the Lord doesn't apologize for the fact that he's working with somebody whose life is really messy and not just Joseph, but really everyone, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is working with, um, all of these people. And sometimes it's a little bit refreshing to be reminded that God actually knows that, right? Because I think sometimes we get down here and we're like, what? This happened? And then, and this happened here? Well, should God be using him? Yeah. Should he have, should that have been his prophet? Did he know? That person's you know? a Sunday school teacher. They shouldn't say stuff like that. And yeah. this person's, you know, it's yeah. just and did like, you see what? what they were doing on Saturday night? And, you know, all of these things that we, we get a little bit afraid of like, uh, who's going to rescue the kingdom, right? Who's going to rescue the kingdom from the people of the kingdom? And I love that God's like, look, let me show you. I see Joseph. He says in verse six and seven, uh, and I see the, all of you who want to seek occasion against him without cause. I see that's happening. Nevertheless, he says he has sinned, but verily I say unto you, I, the Lord forgive sins. Do you remember that's <laughs> who I am? Like, that's my job. I actually forgive sins. And as long as you confess your sins and ask forgiveness, um, then he's going to go through this whole thing. And we actually love that 64 is going to become kind of this laying out how the cause of the kingdom will work. And we pulled out some of just our very favorite. If you were going to look at the cause of the kingdom and how work it worked and rules, yeah. back then, it's going to look really similar to how it should be working right now. And we love that verses 1 through 12 of laying out this cause of the kingdom starts like this. Everybody, you're all going to make mistakes. I know you're going to make mistakes. I don't care as much about the mistake as I care about what you do after the mistake. How you recover from mistakes. Are you going to be the type of people that are constantly pointing fingers and, and pulling out what isn't working, or can you be builders? Can you gather in people who are not perfect and allow increase to take place? Those are the people I'm looking for. That's the job description. I'm looking for builders, not destroyers. 
I'm looking for people who can see a long-term vision, a 10-year reward, yeah. not people who are going to get stuck in the messy details of what's not working. I need people who can gather in people and then be patient while I do my work in them, which is really hard. Yeah. Like yeah. it's really hard, not even just with the people we're working with. How many of us have questions about the purple, the people the Lord was working with in these pages, right? That like this kingdom work for all of us is like, uh, I don't know if this is going to work like this. And it's one of the reasons why I love the standard of truth so much. Um, you have probably heard the standard of truth if you ever served a mission for the church because it's something that you memorize. One of my favorite experiences from when our family served a mission, my dad was a mission president in California. And I will tell you, there are a couple memories I will never forget. Um, and several of them had to do when all the missionaries gathered together in a place and you just felt the strength of God's power in that room and the excitement, the adrenaline, of what building feels like and to hear them sing ye elders of israel it's one of my favorites called to serve a favorite but in our zone conferences and our mission i don't know if this would have been true in korea we were in an english-speaking mission um at every zone conference they would stand up and everybody would say the standard did you do it <laughs> yes oh everyone i wish you could just have that experience of of sitting in a chapel and listening to those missionaries. And this is what the standard of truth is if you've never heard it. And I want you to think about it like this, because sometimes we do become the questioners. Sometimes we do become the ones that are like, why is God using that person? And, and why is this happening? And this is never gonna work out. And this plan is never gonna come to fruition. And we get so worried. And I love when the Lord says this, everyone, the standard of truth has been erected. No unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Persecutions may rage, mobs may combine, armies may assemble. I, I missed one. No, you got it. We missed one. Oh, Cal, I just dot, dot, dot. Oh, calumny and calumny may defame. I'm like, wait a minute, where is I ran out of room everywhere. <laughs> but the truth of God will go forth boldly, nobly, and independent till it has penetrated every continent, visited every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every ear till the purposes of God shall be accomplished. And then this was always my favorite part um, in that room because you you feel the standard of truth build. You just, it does every time you're with a group and then it ends and says this, and the great Jehovah shall say, the work is done. Oh, who wants to be there on that day? Me, please let me be there on that day. And I think to myself, it might be really messy until that day. Everyone, the odds are really good until that very day. It's going to be messy, but don't you just want to be standing there when the Lord is like, the work is done. We did it. We did it. Particularly when the work is the healing and restoration of every individual soul. Mm. That means all yep. promises have now come to pass, that all wrongs have been made right that every, everything is all brought back together that's what that means when he says that the work is done and i love thinking about standing you know as missionaries that again an outsider would stand in that room 
And it's their Hiram moment because they've stepped back a little bit and they are, they're seeing like, oh, but all missionaries in there know like how gritty it is to be a missionary. And I, I hated serving with him and I like, you know, and yes. it's just like, oh, but there's, it's just a constant reminder mm -hmm. of like, wait, this, this is working. Hearts are changing. Like, um, testimonies are building, like all these things are happening right in the midst of, of all of this. Sometimes I want to say to people who are um, in the midst of that faith crisis and they're wondering if, if God can resolve it. I just want to think about that first line and say, listen, the standard of truth has been erected and no unhallowed hand can stop God's work from progressing. God is bigger than this. He's bigger. He knows what to do and and he will reach everyone yep. eventually in their way in his timing like yep. those in things are true right that when you say like the standard of truth it's just like okay what truths you know what truths do can we hold mm -hmm. on to and count on no matter yep. what we see so we love that as this starts as 64 starts he's like all right we're going to talk about this building up of the kingdom Here's where we're going to start. First of all, you've got to overcome the world. Everybody, he says in verse 2. Um, I say unto you, I will that you should overcome the world. Um, and I'll have compassion on you because I realize you actually live in the world, right? But you've got to work to overcome everything that is going to want to come against this purpose. That's what you've got to do. And one of the greatest things that is going to come against this is actually the people who are in this, right? So part of that overcoming the world is gonna be learning that forgiveness and just letting God do his work in his way. He's not just building a kingdom, he's actually building every individual. That's part of the kingdom. Of or God. is the it's, kingdom. It's the kingdom yeah. work. And so um, sometimes we've gotta be patient while he builds Joseph. And sometimes we've gotta be patient while he builds Brigham. And he, his work will continue to go forth, but he's he's in the messy details too, everyone. He's trying to build the, the kingdom people as much as he's trying to build the kingdom. Um, we love when you get to uh, verse 23. Did you want to add anything to those two? But then when you get to 23, he's going to start talking about, okay, what this actually looks like. Yeah, and he calls... He calls this time until the coming of the Son of Man today. That's what he says. This is called today. The time leading up until he actually comes. And he says, and today is a day of sacrifice. That there, and, and I want to say this. Sacrifice is placing something on the altar. And I think in this kingdom work, it's like my, I, I, my pride. The mm -hmm. um, idea that my way is the very best way to do this. Um, I have to lay down my like grudges. I have to lay on the altar the times people genuinely have wronged me and they have been wrong. <laughs> and they, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's just like, you have, like, there are times when you are going, you are wronged. And it's like, I, there's something I have to lay on the altar in order to like, I, I just have to let that go. I have mm -hmm. to burn that up, you know? And, and that is. Like, and you like, wish, like, let's just, Let's just say we wish that being in the kingdom meant just happiness and everyone working together every single day. We wish that was true. 
The problem is there's fault in the kingdom until Jesus comes. We're all working with mortality conditions. And, and I like that you said that. You're going to be wronged sometimes. Or, or someone's going to say something that you're like, why did that just happen to me like that? I'm never going back. I'm not, I don't have to do this. They can find someone else to do this, you know, and being able to be like, okay, the cause, the kingdom is greater than the altercation. So I'm going to try and reconcile that altercation with God and with what I know here, but the kingdom cause, I'm going to invest in that. And the truth is that somebody can walk away. They really can. Um, but a more important truth is like, oh, we will be less because mm. you did. Like we, like uh, it, it'll be felt, you know. Like I, I don't think there should ever be an attitude of like, well, your loss, even though it is someone's loss if they leave, you know, kingdom community. Mm -hmm. But really, I think our first line should be like, oh, our loss, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And and what and then all the other kinds of sacrifice, right, that go with that. Uh, I, I, we didn't put this on that, this list, but 20, I thought this was neat too, where he, when he tells Isaac Morley to sell his farm, he mm -hmm. says, why? He says, so that he might not be tempted above that, which, which he is able to bear. And I think that is so interesting to see that very specific, like, cause Frederick Drew William gets to keep his land in the next <laughs> verse. And, um, um, what's his face gets to keep their stores and, you and saw everyone the gets to keep their, land yeah. last week. Everyone. So I mean, it was so pretty. Like I still remember just walking up the side of that hill and sitting under those trees that you can be like, actually, I'm going to keep the Haven over the kingdom because the Haven feels more peaceful yeah. than and, the kingdom. And it's so funny that he doesn't say like, Oh, we need the money or we need the land. For, for a temple. Nothing's built on that land currently, just so you know. It's, I don't want you to be tempted with the land, Isaac, so sell it. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> there are some times when the Lord, that's actually super merciful for whatever yeah. God sees. But um, I just think that's such an yeah. interesting verse. So okay, awesome. 29 is the next one that we have on there where he just says, you are agents on the Lord's errand. And whatever you do is the will of the Lord and it's the Lord's business. And I love thinking two parts of that. One, you're entitled to the help and mm -hmm. grace and power of God when you are on his actual errand. And the other thing I like to think about is like, as I try to do any sort of kingdom work, I want to look to the characteristics and, and the, the heart of Jesus and try to just like, oh, if I'm on his errand, I want to do things in the way that he would handle it and to mm -hmm. be consistently looking to him and feeling for you know a grieve <laughs> of the spirit and am i handling this the way that he would handle this that's so good um i love when it says um in verse 33 all things well in 32 first all things will come to pass in their time which actually brings me a lot of comfort because sometimes we're working on something that we're like this is never going to work out like really it might never work out and i love that he's like no 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 all things will come to pass in their time. Remember, you can't stop the work from progressing. God is bigger than this. He's bigger than this. Yesterday and in my journal, I wrote, because I was having a frustration with something not coming to fruition in the time or way that I wanted to, like everybody does. And I was like, and you're tempted to go to the place where it's like, well, I guess God doesn't keep his promises then. Mm. And we were studying 
Abraham getting ready for Old Testament year. You guys whose can't wait. promises don't come fulfilled until he's a hundred. And so I had to write in my journal, on your hundredth birthday, David, <laughs> you are allowed to say God didn't fulfill his promises, but you're not allowed to say it until your hundredth birthday. That's the rule I made oh, for my that life. Is so awesome. Because I was like, Abraham had to wait till he yes. was a hundred yes. for that promise to get yeah. fulfilled. So it's like, how come I think it should happen when I'm forty? That's a little unfair. So I yeah. just made myself an but we Abraham do, we rule. We live in the forty-year or mentality. Yeah. Like we're like, this is not working. This is not. Hello, this is not working. You know, and I'm sure he's like, like people are fighting on the canoes. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. Um, and then he says this: all things are going to come to pass in their time. He says in 32, but in 33. So just be not weary in well doing. Because you are actually laying the foundation of a great work, he says. And you a little bit love that part because what if you only get to see the foundation? Yeah. You know, what if what if you don't actually get to see the raising up of the house? And the, I love he's like, it's okay. It, it's all going to come to pass in its time. Don't you think that too when you think about You go to Nauvoo these days and you see the whole Nauvoo temple and you see what the whole city looks like and you're like, well, I'm so glad Joseph gets to see this from heaven because like he left when it was a little messy yes. and the walls were only, you yes. know, 20 feet tall. And it's yeah. like, he only got to, but it was still a great work. Yeah. And it was still, he would say like, I was, it was beautiful. The foundation was actually so beautiful to lay, Yeah, you know? And I just, we love that idea of like, he just says, just don't give up. Don't be weary. Yeah. Just don't give up on it. And then in 34, look, this is what he requires your heart and a willing mind, or I just like to say this, like all he needs from you is your heart and a yes. Mm. Just say yes to it. That's all he needs from you. And there's like, something yep, about that I'll word willing that is hard. Everyone it is actually hard because you're going to put your heart in it. And anytime you put your heart in something, you're going to start wanting to have a little more control. Have you ever noticed that if you give your heart to something, then you're like, but I think we should do it like this or like I get, I'm giving my whole heart to this. So I want to see it done like this. And that's where I think that willing mind becomes so hard because you have to be willing to say, okay, but if you want to try it this way, I'm, I'm willing to try. And you know, it's, that's really hard when your heart's invested in something. Yeah. And it kind of a perspective I have to keep reminding myself of, I just love that idea of go to Hiram and get mm -hmm. a good perspective is the idea that if I give my whole heart over to it, even if it doesn't happen, you know, the, the what I hoped or intended to happen doesn't happen. It's still true that I gave my heart over to God and he did something with my heart in the meantime. Yeah. You know? Yes, because it's so good because you, if you give your mind to something, you become set on it and this is how it's going to work. If you have a willing mind, then you have to be willing <laughs> yeah, that is true. to let him do that another, with yeah. your heart. You know, that's really hard to be able to, to do that, to just be able to step back and say, okay, yeah. if you want to use them, okay. If you want to <laughs> let him do it like this, okay. Uh, I'm willing to go along for the ride, knowing that you might only ever see the foundation. And is it okay if you only see the foundation? Yeah. So 64 is so neat because you get a chance to just see God almost speaking to the entire kingdom community. 
We're going to go to 66 now because it's almost as if he's saying, and this is sort of what it looks like when it's one individual, because that's all a community is, is a collection of individuals. And God not only sees a vision and a destiny for the community mm-hmm. as a whole and how everybody plays their part, but like each individual person within that community and the building that's when we talk about like, oh, we're building Zion here and we're building the kingdom here. And I'm like, I'm looking for kingdom takeover in here, right? Like it's, it's super messy and conflicted inside here. And it's like, it's a beautiful um, uh, attribute of God that he's able to work with the whole community and individuals in it. And this is a man who will be around for a while. His name is William McClellan. He gets found on that mission. Remember all the missionaries go out two by two out to um, Zion, to Missouri, and he's actually found there and um, Hiram finds him and baptizes him. And he was a school teacher and um, he closed his school, it says, on June 30th. And the very next day I went to Independence, Missouri, to try and find out more about this. And um, so he comes in and then this is his very first time meeting um, Joseph. And this is what he says later about that yep. meeting in 66. This is so awesome. It says, William journeyed to Ohio to meet the prophet. He lived with him for about three weeks. And from my acquaintance then and Who until wants now. to live with the prophet for three weeks? Me. I just thought that was like... I don't want to. Is he, was he in the John Johnson home at this time? Yeah, he must have yeah, been. Everyone, remember? Oh, oh poor Bless Elsa. her heart. <laughs> I know. Um, and from my acquaintance, I can truly say I believe him to be a man of God, a prophet, a seer, and a revelator to the church of Christ. So he desires to receive a revelation from the Lord through the prophet. And you a little bit just love him because... He's just going to, in his mind, he's like, I'm just going to test and see if I think he really is a prophet. So he says this, I went before the Lord in secret and on my knees, asked him to reveal the answer to five questions through his prophet. And that too, without his having any knowledge of my having made such a request. So he gets these five questions. He goes and he tells the questions to the Lord and decides he's not going to tell Joseph about the five questions, but he's going to go in and ask for this revelation. And the subsequent revelation um, both commended and reproves his actions. You love that part where the Lord's like, well, (laughs) I'm glad you brought me your questions. And you love that the Lord like acknowledges that. That is one of my favorite parts is that he's like, if you have questions, all right, bring them, right? Bring the questions. But I love that, remember the Doctrine and Covenants is not Instagram. And he, he also like reproves him. He's like, William, what what is happening right here? Um, then he, William writes in response to the revelation, I now testify in the fear of God that every question which I had thus lodged in the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath were answered to my full and entire satisfaction. So this is kind of a fun section. Because it just starts out with these five secret questions, everybody. Yeah, that you don't know, and all you get is the answers. So you can kind of play Jeopardy if you want with the section, <laughs> and like because you have the answers, and you need to like maybe figure out what the questions are. So it's kind of fun to think about, man, man, what may have been on his mind, and some of our favorite verses we put there. And I'm just um, gonna pull. Should I just read the list of kind of what we pulled out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna see in there sixty-six, two, four, eight, nine, and ten. But 10 is hands down my favorite. But you'll see, first of all, he tells them, and you add in as you want to, um, to, you need to receive this gospel, he tells him. And you need to listen for God's will as you're going through this process. 
Um, and remember, he's talking to someone who he's trying to build the kingdom in here. So you receive the gospel in here and you listen for God's will in your life and you will be made strong. He tells him, I will go with you everywhere that you're going to go and you're going to minister. That's going to be part of your calling and your job for the kingdom. But you're also going to need to be patient. And then there is this great verse in verse 10, this counsel Seek not to be cumbered, he tells him. Forsake all unrighteousness. Commit not adultery. A temptation which which with thou has been troubled. Which I'm like, did you want that written in the revelation? You yeah, know, his for wife everybody too. to know. Like, oh no. I love that the Lord's like, listen, this is gonna be hard work, everybody. I'm just gonna be blunt and lay it out for no, you. What like, you well, got yeah, going on? You really struggle with the temptation of adultery. And I love that one line, seek not to be cumbered. Mm. Right? That that's part of building Zion is you cannot become cumbered with what is happening around you. That word's familiar to us because Mary and Martha's story. Um, remember when the Lord says to Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. And she was so cumbered about with serving is what we read. Where serving can either lift, right? We know serving can be healing and, and can be good for a heart. But it's so interesting that also we are pointed out if you're cumbered about by that task, it's actually not going to help you. That word cumbered means to drag or to distract. And I love that he's like, William, don't get caught up in what might cumber you in this work, what might drag you down or distract you from the goodness that is happening here. And I feel like that's such good counsel for all of us that mm -hmm. there will be times when we are in the mess of the work that we might feel cumbered by what's happening. And then we kind of need that escape to Hiram. We, we need to just be like, all right, I got to go out to a place where just me and God can reconcile what's happening. I need that bigger perspective. So then I can go back in to give this day by day bread to me, you know, that this kingdom work that is so day by day, then I can enter back in, but let me keep God's kingdom perspective while I'm working with unkingdomly people. Yeah, you know? and the promise is an undergirding underneath it. You know, the mm -hmm. standard of truth promise that it's just like God is going to, in their time, like it just is so refreshing. Like I can keep going because like I know it hasn't expired. I know that like I'm not time up yet. You're not a like hundred. Yeah, and it's like it's 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 okay. And uh, we just know that we put a box on here for your five questions because every one of us is has questions in our own mind about maybe similar things like looking and and seeing like a lot of imperfection around us, a lot of imperfection in ourselves, um, seeing the messiness and wondering in ourselves and others how is this going to work out and how is this going to happen i have doubts and questions about this and i and i and i just and everybody and, and what is my work and what is my role and how do i get involved in the process and i think we all carry our own five questions how's this going to work out you know how yeah, whatever yeah. your five questions are right now we just love the thought of like sitting down for a minute and saying these are my five questions and then I love that where William took his five questions were, wasn't to other kingdom people who were struggling or wasn't to, you know, other, his friends or his family. He took his five questions directly 
to God and he watched for answers to come through a prophet. It'd be really interesting for you to ask yourself if that is the case with you. Mm. Have you taken your five questions to God and are you willing to search the prophet's words to find those answers there? And what would happen if you did? Like, what would happen? It would be so interesting just to see what that that type of revelation might do for you in this place. And your specific, the specifics will obviously be different than Williams. But if you took that list of what was there, you'll see God reaching out to every person who asks questions and says, one, I have something for you that I want you to receive. Um, two, um, I have a will for you. Three, you will have my strength in this. Four, you have a particular gift and a purpose. And five, you also have some struggles um, that are specific to you that could weigh you down if you're not careful. And then verse 12 in the end, I love when he says, continue in these things even unto the end. And you, even you, I added that even you, but I want to put it in every time <laughs> when it talks to me. And you, yes, David, even you could have a crown of eternal life at the right hand of my father. Why? because he is full of grace and truth. Um, this is gonna be really connected to next week's lesson um, and almost like a real a theme that goes through. So we thought it would be neat, these two questions. Um, you might have five questions. Well, we have two questions for you. Um, <laughs> to think about um, for this whole week. Yeah, maybe pray about them at night. Um, look at your situation, look at it within your family, look within your ward family. Um, just maybe you're going to pull out your patriarchal blessing. Yeah, to think about what is my particular errand from the Lord right now. And also what is my well-doing? When he says, be not weary in well-doing, find a way to just do well-doing. What might be my specific errand at this season in my life today with the gifts I have? And what well-doing can I contribute and be a part of to the people around us? So um, we'll come back to that theme. Yeah, you want to bring that back yeah, with so you. Bring it with bring you. Bring it with you when you come. So spend this week praying about it. Bring it with you when you come. And then next week we are going to dive into that. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.